Hello everyone and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host Andrew and as usual I'm joined by my co-host Mick. Hello! So, how are you doing today Mick? Melting, but not as much as I was yesterday. Yes, we are recording this the day after like the hottest day ever in the UK. Since, least... and, and and during our first red alert warning since records began, although that was only five years ago. Yeah. Also, I like how you said first, because it's definitely not our last. Yeah. Thanks, global uh, warming. And the thing is, when they brought in the alert warnings, right? It was the last time I experienced temperatures of 30-odd degrees before we did our very first international podcast. Oh, that's right, when you were in Dubai. Yeah. Which was, unusually, only, only 17 degrees hotter than the UK at that point. (laughs) Oh, boy. World's a mess, isn't it? Indeed. But anyway, we've still got a little bit of time before this whole ball goes up in a cinder. Which, ah, ah, we should have done Watchmen, Mick. That's literally a line from Watchmen. We should. God damn it. The world gave us the perfect segue and we wasted it. It would have been quicker to watch. That's true, it technically would have been. And... Also, it's one of the few Zack Snyder films I don't mind watching. That I mean, I was going to say high praise indeed, like a slightly jokey way. But but it really isn't. That is kind of like the peak of Zack Snyder, isn't it? Yeah. It, it was all down the hill from there. Anyway, this is completely unrelated to today's episode. It is. So let's gather up our Avengers Con merch and watch out for the Illuminantes. Oh, man. As we behold Ms. Marvel. Is it too late to resign? Yes. <sighs> Damn. I mean, it's probably even too late for me to fire you in a huff again. Yeah, probably. So anyway, this is the 2022 Disney Plus series, created by Bisha K. Ali and based on the Marvel comic character created by (gasps) Sana Amanat, Stephen Wacker, G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alphona, and Jamie McKelvey. I can see why he took a breath before that. Yes. So if if anyone is interested, Sana Amanat and Stephen Wacker, the editors who kind of came up with the idea of Ms. Marvel, G. Willow Wilson uh, is the writer, and Adrian Alphona is the artist of the original series, and Jamie McKelvey is the one who designed the costume. So, Mick, how familiar are you with Ms. Marvel? Well, I'm glad you asked me that very question. Because in... 2014, when I started getting back into comics again, uh, I got a set of True Believers comics from my local comic book emporium and uh, it was I jokingly referred to it as the Marvel Princesses edition of True Believers but it was it was all the female led titles that they had at the time so there was a Princess Leia there was a Quake there was a Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, a Black Widow, and a couple of others. No She-Hulk, though, oddly. Yeah. Weirdly, it's almost like they had characters like Quaker who are currently starring in a vaguely popular T-series, and not characters whose film rights were at the time tied up with Universal Studios. That's a good point, well presented. So, so yeah, so I, I read this and it was, as it always is with Marvel, 
Miss Marvel number one, because you get number one of a comic about every six months these days with Marvel. So, um, and it was, it was different. It wasn't an origin story as in it wasn't issue one and she was a, just a normal girl who got her powers during the course of the issue. It was it was sort of like that honeymoon period just after she got powers and she was still coming to terms with it. Uh, and it was quite a quite an interesting story. And Squirrel Girl was another one that was in there. Anyway, I digress. But um, yeah, so Miss um, Marvel, it it was quite good, and it was interesting how they'd integrated the whole sort of. Kamala's cultural environment as well. Um, and I know this was about... Well, when I got the issue, it was about the same time as they did a run with Captain Britain being a British Muslim. Female Muslim girl. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's technically an alternate universe. Because, yeah, because that's a yeah. character called Pfizer Hussein, who in the normal continuity uh, has the sword Excalibur. Ah, right, okay. Of course and, she does. And so has given herself the code name Excalibur. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, she's cool. I like her a lot. She's like a, a yeah. doctor, so the idea is it's not a sword, it's just a big scalpel. I saw it on the shelf, and it was it was in a time when I had, like, Far more comics than time, so I didn't pick it up. But I may go back and revisit that. Um, yeah, I think that's the story with Magic Boots Mel in it as well. It has magic football boots. The only person in comic bookdom that should have magic football boots is Roy of the Rovers, and well, you know it. I don't know. To be fair, I think the idea is she is like meant to be a reference to Roy the Rovers. <laughs> so that's that's what Noah has, uh, and obviously um, there's been a lot of buzz. There's also uh, she's the first character you play in the um, remarkably well received Marvel Avengers video game from Square Enix. Oh yeah, that exists. <laughs> also, it's glad to know I, I, so I know at least one of the three people playing that game then yes so uh, so yeah so you start off playing as um, Kamala Khan um, and it all starts with her winning a fan fiction competition um and being one of the prize winners summoned to Avengers Day or A Day in San Francisco. And then um, just as all the Avengers take to the stage to unveil some new, stunningly, incredibly useful bit of tech, but also incredibly dangerous, because of course it would be. Um, it all kicks off. She gets exposed to a Terrigen crystal and... Um, wakes up with powers. Yes, except Schmick. We're not allowed to mention Terrigen crystals. I know. What's that about? The Inhumans don't exist, Mick. They never happened. They're not a thing. But, but, but Doctor Strange and his mom. Okay, there's one Inhuman, but he's gone now. Okay. She gets exposed to a bit of rock and suddenly when she wakes up she has these powers. Yeah, I I th think you mean a mutant genesis crystal that okay. turns people into mutants. Yes, alright then. Let's go with that one. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I like Ms. Marvel. I, I read her original series when it came out, and it's tremendous fun. I, I think the nice thing about it is it, it, it's self-referential without feeling arch 
in that it, you know, this is, it's basically Marvel are accepting that superheroes exist in the in the Marvel universe, um, and that the public are aware of them, and they have merchandise, and you can be a proper full blown fangirl and then join their ranks and that's pretty much what Kamala is really isn't it she's 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 basically a a one a one woman captain marvel carol danvers fan club yeah. and likes the other avengers as well well i i guess the idea is that she's kind of like a 21st century version of spider-man in that she is yeah. a superhero who's just like you dear reader not to be confused with captain universe the hero who could be you But probably isn't. Okay. Let me just check. No, no, it's not. But yeah, I, I like that. I like, and this spoilers might be a bit of a gripe I have about the series. I like that in her original comic, her problems are like very street level focused. So, like, I know in mm. one arc she's dealing with like property developers wanting to, I think it's knock down the mosque or something. But it's just, you know, yeah. it's helping ordinary people out with ordinary problems. And sometimes there's a supervillain and sometimes she teams up with Wolverine. Yeah. What? 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 It's a Marvel comic. You've got to team up with Wolverine. All right. Okay. Contractual yes. obligation. Otherwise he comes up, snicks his claws out and rips your limb from limb. Yeah. I mean, I thought you'd Strike Force Morituri didn't team up with Wolverine. <laughs> and where's their movie? Well, true that. But yeah. Also, I really like that her powers are just very weird. Yeah. Like she's just a big, stretchy sort of Mr. Fantastic person. Yeah. Like she can't fly. But she can make just giant legs to leap over buildings with. Yeah. She's got what you call practical superpowers. They're the kind of superpowers that you always want on a daily basis, aren't they? Like, when you're trying to reach that cup that's on the high shelf. Yeah. I mean, Ms. Marvel is living the life that those of us who are five foot four can only dream of. <laughs> Yeah, but so are those people who are six foot two. True. Do you think maybe that's why Wolverine teamed up with her? It's because he's just so impressed with how she can <laughs> reach things on high shelves. <laughs> Without having to get someone yeah. to step on his ridiculous hairdo and use it as a platform. <gasps> that's why he styles his hair like that. <laughs> Anyway, this series, shall I do a bit of a synopsis for it? Yes, and at this point I will do our usual. This uh, this podcast will contain spoilers of all manner um, for the Disney Plus original series, Miss Marvel. And probably continue. other things, because who knows what we talk about. Oh, Christ, yeah. Oh, we, honestly, man, if spoilers were a virus, we'd be like, all the variants. Rosebud was a sled. Oh man, I was going to watch that tonight. Yeah, sorry I ruined the sixth sense for you. Now well. Anyway, Kamala Khan, played by Imran Vellani, is a Pakistani-American girl living in Jersey City with her parents Muniba, played by Zenobia Shroff, and Yusuf played by Mohan Kapoor. Kamala receives a golden bangle from her grandmother that she decides to use as part of her Captain Marvel costume for AvengerCon, an event which she sneaks out to with her best friend Bruno, led by Matt Lintz. No, Brian. Oh, sorry, you're right, Brian. Once she puts on the bangle, she finds it gives her the ability to create hard light energy constructs. Kamala begins training to use her new powers as Evelyn and able to save a young boy falling from a balcony, more or less. 
<laughs> a bit. He, he suddenly falls off a bit less than he was originally going to. That's right. However, this attracts the attention of Agents P. Cleary, played by Arian Mayed, and Sadie Deaver, played by Alyssa Reiner, of the Department of Damage Control, who begin hunting for the mysterious new metahuman. Uh, Kamala is cornered by Damage Control, but is saved by her crush Kamran, played by Vishar, and his mother Najma, played by Nimra Buka. Najma explains that she's part of the Clandestines, a group of jinn from the Nur dimension who have been trapped in our world. This group included Kamala's great-grandmother, who disappeared before she could use the bangle to send them home. Najma wants Kamala to use the bangle to open a portal to the newer, but she refuses as Earth will be destroyed. They fight, but Kamala escapes and travels to Pakistan to learn about her great-grandmother. And then some stuff happens that we'll come back to, but the synopsis is already getting a bit too long. Then Najma tracks down Kamala, opens up a portal to the newer, and has a change of heart and sacrifices itself to close it, transferring her power to Kamran. Kamala then goes back to the States and stops an out-of-control Kamran before helping him escape from damage control. Then she decides to take the superhero name Ms. Marvel. Then, in the obligatory setting up the next bits parts, Kamala finds out she's a mutant, and then her bangle begins flashing, causing her to swap places with Carol Danvers, made by Brie Larson. The end. Or is it? Probably not, because there's going to be a follow-up film. Yeah. Um, interesting point of um, order. Camran is also the name of the Indian restaurant I used to have a flat above in uh, Morley when I first moved out on my own. Oh, my God. Does that mean that now you're going to discover a bangle? And that bangle's going to make you travel back in time, and then you're going to end up opening an Indian restaurant that you're called Camran, and then you yourself will move above it. Thus creating a time loop. Yes, probably. Oh, then again, maybe not. Mick, why is there a whole time travel plot in this? I don't know. It's. I don't know. I feel like. I mean, I'll, I'll say up top, for the most part, I enjoyed Ms. Marvel. Yes. But the pacing of this series is so weird. Because, like, we get yeah. season one for three episodes. Then it feels like it suddenly jumps forward to do a whole season two in two episodes. And then it comes back in the final episode to wrap up season one. Yeah. It does seem a bit... I mean, maybe that, um, you know, we probably won't know this for years and years until some kind of making of documentary comes out, but maybe that's that was it. Maybe we were supposed to have had a season two by now, but obviously pandemic, pandemic. Yeah, and I guess as well, because this is specifically setting up The Marvels, which is the sequel to yeah. this and Captain Marvel. Yeah, yeah, maybe originally the plan was to do two seasons of Ms. Marvel, then have that film. But now yeah. they had to condense it. And I guess they yeah. wanted to do that so that... that we know all the backstory of the bangle, because maybe that plays into it. Yeah, and that, that that was that was the only reasoning I could think of as to why there might be a sort of jarring element to the, the time travel bit. Yeah, because I mean, really, that whole thing of just, like, literally, Ms. Marvel's other friend, Nakia, who, one moment, I'm just going to pull up a cast list because I didn't make a note of her. Do This is good content that everyone likes. Yasmin Fletcher. Yasmin Fletcher. There. Yeah, literally, episode three ends with her finding out that Kamala is Ms. Marvel. And then it's just. Nope, we need to go to Pakistan and then need to do a whole time travel thing where I... Not just Pakistan, 1940s Pakistan. 
Yeah. Well, no, because when she goes to present-day Pakistan <laughs> and yeah. then travels back in time to the 1940s to, like... Because of a train. Yes, a, a magic train. Well, all trains are magic these days, aren't they? Let's be honest. Oh, little bit of politics there. <laughs> politics? <laughs> in, when we're talking about a TV programme, which the final episode has a, a Muslim girl fighting up against a bunch of corrupt police officers. No. There's no place for it, Mick. Okay. I, I apologize. This is comics have always been politics free and are just about entertainment. And have never been thinly veiled allegories for anything. Nope. So certainly the fact that the first ever superhero was created by two Jewish immigrants and is about someone whose home is destroyed and travels to America. That's that's not anything. <laughs> but yeah. It's weird that that whole Pakistan thing happens. Yeah. Especially because I feel like the rest of the series suffers a lot for it. Yeah, because the, the problem is those two episodes have got a very subdued palette and the, the whole point for, from the very first opening sequence on episode one which is brilliant, by the way. Um, the whole thing is bouncing with colour. Yeah, it's bouncing with colour and all those nice little touches, like whenever Kamal's on her phone, you can see the text messages like playing out on the graffiti on the wall behind yeah. her, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got these two episodes in the middle where none of that happens. And it, it, it feels like either a, a different era of the same show or... A different show. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like you say, it's just so weirdly jarring. <laughs> Although I, I do like how we get a show that for the most part seems kind of, I mean, not that the MCU is particularly dark, but seems kind of focused on a slightly younger audience than most things. Yeah. And then you get episodes where people like dissolve into skeletons. Yeah. But yeah, it's just. Because as well, I think it's not just that it's a weird, jarring side tangent. I think because it takes up two all episodes, a lot of the development of the rest of the stuff gets kind of compromised. Yeah. Like, Nashville, especially goes from literally like end of episode well start of episode three is like hi Kamal I need your help to get home and then Kamal's instantly like I don't, I don't know and then she just goes straight to what oh, gonna kill you yeah and then like two episodes later we, we find out she murdered Kamal's great grandmother but then half an episode later is like oh well I guess I'll just give up and sacrifice myself because it turns out yeah. I wasn't so evil after all. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's... And it's like, I feel like a lot of this stuff in New Jersey gets side, kind of shoved off to the side as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, going back to episode one, just the amount of stuff that that's kind of very quickly wrapped up really struck me because you've got things like the whole thing of Kamala in school, like not really fitting in, yeah. not really doing what she wants to do. Like, I feel like, I mean, because this is basically a coming of age comedy and that's kind of an intrinsic part of these kind of things. Like, yeah. there's not really like a, a bully or anything that she confronts. Well, I think there kind of is, but you're right, it's all a bit rushed, so it doesn't come across that way. There's, um, because it's the girl she rescues at the cosplay competition, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, is it? Sophie Becky? or or something she's called. Yeah, uh... But she's obviously... Uh... Zoe, sorry. Zoe, that's yeah, it. Yeah, played by uh, Laurel Marsden. She's clearly yeah. supposed to be the... She's 
she's the Cordelia Chase character, isn't she? She's the one with the smart mouth, the Instagram influencing um, cool girl. And she doesn't she doesn't really brush Kamala aside in the same way that you would expect Kamala to be brushed aside. Yeah, because she's not necessarily like mean to her. She just doesn't really notice yeah. her. That's like it's just she gets rescued, then she disappears, then she like pops back up in the final episode. It's like I'm part of the team now. Yeah. It, it, and again, you feel like that's something that maybe those extra two episodes might have been able to explore. Um. Yeah, and there's like also the stuff with Nakia like joining the council of a local mosque. Yeah. Like that feels like it's gonna be a whole series plot line. Yeah. But then like episode one she wants to join, episode two she does some campaigning, episode three she's a member. Yeah. Bosh. And then it doesn't really come up again. Yeah, you feel it's it, well, it only gets it only gets brought up, doesn't it, when the DOD go in. Uh when the DODC go in and she stands up for the, the mosque um, as part of a delaying tactics. But it... Yeah. Especially it seems so much like it's setting up that because she's on the mosque's council and she's like not... She's kind of quite anti-superhero. Obviously that's going to cause a conflict mm. with Kamala. But again, not all that much comes of it. It's just... When she finds out, she's a bit. Oh, I'm. I'm rather cross. She didn't tell me. Yeah, it, I'm gonna wag my finger disapprovingly. It. It's like you're waiting for the stakes to raise, and then they don't. Really. They raise when the veil's getting open, and then someone has a change of mind. They raise because she's a woman trying to get on the board, and then she does. Kamala thinks she's going to get a real telling off from her mum. And then she doesn't. And it, it's just a series of anticlimaxes. It's an enjoyable series, but... It yeah, just doesn't I think quite hit the mark, does it? Yeah, it's, it's more enjoyable because of that kind of fun sense of style it's got. Mm. And just because everyone's pretty fantastic in this series. Yeah, all the performances are good. Like, obviously, Imran Vellani herself is just incredibly charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like the way that she plays off her very sort of um, devout brother. Yeah, so that, that's kind of pulled straight from the comics as well. He's the one who's kind of hardcore. No, I'm a very faithful Muslim. I'm going to like do all the prayers and yeah. stick to all the doctrines and stuff. Yeah. Well, Kamala's going to sneak out of her window to go to a Vendicon. Yes, she she is very much a teen girl first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's also you don't really get any feel because the the other and again potentially season long plotline that you've got is the build up to her brother's wedding. Oh yeah, but again, that happens in season three. Season three. She... <laughs> yes, that's. I mean, it could very well be that. Like, I know there was a time loop season. plot. <laughs> yeah, season one is the episode where she gets her powers. Season two is the episode. <laughs> season I, three is the wedding season. It's a series of one. Se- it's a season of one episode mini series. Is it? I mean, that's basically how half of British television works. <laughs> Uh, and the other half is Love Island. Yep. Love Island, with all its 2,000 episodes twice a year. Mm. And I still managed to miss it. It's a skill. Well then, I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Um, so, 
I guess bearing in mind that the next upcoming series is She-Hulk and there's been quite a lot of talk on the internet about the quality of the CGI in it. Uh, it might be because they spent quite a lot of money on Miss Marvel's CGI and it was actually quite good. Yeah, especially like the little flourishes we talked about and even the powers itself, which still a little disappointed. It's like energy powers rather than weird stretchy stuff. But yeah, yeah it looks good. Well, I think I think we all remember the Fox uh Fantastic Four movies. Stretchy does not always look good. Yeah, but but surely in this day and age, I mean, uh, this is what this is. If we can make a raccoon, we can make a stretchy person. This is the thing, though, isn't it? It's like in this day and age, right? If you think about it, when Star Wars came to the screens. In 77, right? People were saying, look at what they can do in this day and age, right? The dawn of cinema to Star Wars. But we're only 17 years on from those Fantastic Four movies. Are we really going to make Stretchy that good in that amount of time? God damn it, we'll never know unless we try. Alternatively, just do like the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, where it's clearly just like a tube with a glove on the end. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, yeah, they're, they're good special effects, and like you say, they're not effects that you were expecting. You kind of expect a certain stretchiness, not um, hard like crystal magic stuff happening. Yeah, and at least she's still like. Makes a big hand that she can smash people. That's all I want is just to see her make a big old fist and punch someone. Yeah. Turn cars over on the baddies. Exactly. Big, big long legs. That's that's enough to make me happy. And I liked liked the fact that damage control were brought back in. Because I kind of thought that... Because there were rumours for years that there was going to be a damage control series. Um... Yeah, I I have thoughts on damage control. Now, as I recall from the comics, they were just like the people who ended up doing the clear-up after things like the Battle of New York and stuff. Yes, and, and this is my bugbear with damage control. Is that in the comics, they're very much not law enforcement. They're just like a building crew. And the idea is they go around New York and they're the ones after all these big superhero battles. They're kind of like rebuild all the buildings, clean up all the stuff. They also have a sentient, like, steam shovel called Troll. They do, yes. And they're a lot of fun. And that's the kind of thing, like, I'd like to see in the MCU. Just just as a bit of, like, extra world building. Yeah. It's just nice to have an answer to, how does all this mess get cleaned up? And I think just making them, oh, they're, they're just, like, a stand-in for the FBI. Yeah. It's, it's quite a boring... Well, first of all, it's quite a boring reduction of them. And there's literally like seven or eight different agencies that you could have in place of that that would make more sense. Yeah. Like, because you've got Hammer, who were sort of the team that replaced uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. for a bit. Yeah. You've got Forceworks, which was a group that Iron Man set up and probably isn't going to in the MCU, what with them being dead. I think personally the one that makes the most sense to me is there's a group called the Commission of Superhuman Activities, which is a government body that kind of monitors superhumans and sort of like is the Avengers government liaison, stuff like that. Yeah. And it would seem like they would make a lot more sense as these kind of like metahuman police. Of course. Now, right, bear in mind that uh, Kamala is a mutant and Disney now on Fox, we could have Trask Industries in there. Oh yeah, you, you could have like just, I mean even now they could like come in and sort of buy up the, the contract from damage control. Yeah. Who then decide they're gonna move back into like clean up and stuff. Because <laughs> it's what we do best. 
Exactly. I prefer a drill in my hand to a gun. <laughs> or a weird, like, sonic rifle. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um... It was nice to see him picked up again, but not necessarily as a law enforcement agency. Um, I guess they wanted to shy away from using any of the familiar law enforcement agencies because of that whole showdown in a mosque type vibe. Yes, yes. I feel like one of the things about the MCU is, I mean, live I hate it, it tries not to rock the boat too much. Yeah. So having like actual police, the FBI, kind of be, be quite clearly sort of racist cops. I, I, you can't do that in a Marvel show. No. So. But. Um, yeah, so that cameo, though. At the end of episode eight. Oh. Episode thought, six. Six, sorry. This, I don't, this, I, this is the issue. There's not eight episodes. Oh, yeah, six. That's the that's the other thing with these Marvel shows. They don't seem to have any consistency, do they? Yeah, sometimes they're six, sometimes they're eight. Sometimes they're ten. Sometimes they're, but, I mean, it's weird. I feel like they've kind of overcorrected a bit from, like, the days of Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Yeah. Where it's kind of 12, 13 episodes that definitely start to drag towards the end. Yeah. yeah. So, so instead they've just gone completely opposite way of we're going to go too few episodes and twice as much content. <laughs> we're still going to do 13 episodes of action, but just in six. Um, I'm sure it will work fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was. It it, it kind of took me a little bit by surprise that one. I mean, I know obviously they were going to lead into the movie somehow. Yeah, I mean, I was very confused because I thought it was a different comics thing to the comics thing it was. Right. Because basically in. Like the first arc of Miss Marvel the comic, when Kamala first gets her powers, because you know because she's like a stretchy shapeshifter person, yeah, and she can't control the powers. What happens is she like unconsciously transforms herself into Carol Danvers, and kind of gets stuck ah. like that for the first few issues. Hence, why she ends up being like Miss Marvel, right? So I assume that was what's happening. But I think what's happened instead is it's reference to kind of the even older Captain Marvel comics. So this is the first Captain Marvel who was a member of the Kree. Ah, Captain Marvel. Yes, Mar-Vel. Not to be confused with Shazam. Well, you say not to be confused with Shazam. Because what happened was Marvel went, hmm. We've got a character called Captain Marvel. And I think at that point it was still Fawcett Comics. Also yeah. have a character called Captain Marvel about a teen boy who can transform into an older hero. So entirely coincidentally, let's write a story in which Captain Marvel gets trapped in the negative zone. And then teenager Rick Jones discovers the negabands. But when he clangs them together, allows him to swap places with Captain Marvel. Kind of like he's transforming <laughs> into Captain Marvel. Right, and you think the, the do you think the uh, the bangles of Kamala are uh, negabands? Yes, because I think I think they mention there being two of them as well, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so I assume it is the Negabands, and like that's what's happened is that she's now in space or a different dimension or anything, and Captain Marvel is on Earth. Fair enough. And hijinks will ensue. 
Almost certainly. Shenanigans, no doubt, to follow. Possibly even malarkey. I think they reserve that for the Thor movies. I think you're getting confused with my Loki. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. Anyway, moving swiftly on. Please, God, put me on. To continue me. today's theme of me bringing up very obscure Marvel Comics characters, I can't believe that the MCU now has the clandestine in it. Well, it has. So deal with it. For anyone who doesn't know, which I assume is basically everyone listening, Clandestine were created by Alan Davies, who's kind of... What, very Jonathan famous. Creek? Yes, that's right, Jonathan Creek. No, the, the other one who's a very famous comics artist. <laughs> and basically the idea was um, they are the family of a man named Adam Destine, who was a crusader in crusade times. I mean, it'd be, be a bit right. weird if he wasn't. Yeah. It was just a crusader in, like, 1968. Yeah. Um, right. So, so they're the tra- clan Destine. Indeed. So the idea is he travelled to the Middle East, uh, met a djinn, which is kind of where slightly ties into Ms. Marvel. They fell in love, had a bunch of kids, and now all the kids are, like, immortal and have various superpowers. And again, get up to hijinks. Right. And, yeah, and it's a fun little series if anyone wants to check it out. There's also a fun bit where the final four issues were written by someone else. And then there was a new clandestine series. And the first page of it is just all the characters going, what a weird dream we had. <laughs> to just completely wreck on those four issues because <laughs> it's very much Alan Davies's. these are my toys I'm going to play with them and no one else is allowed <laughs> so whatever's gone before isn't exactly fair enough but yeah it's just it's nice because it's one of those things but it's very much just in its own little corner. It's like not too tied into other stuff. Yeah. Of course, this being the MCU, we'll probably never hear from them again. Yeah. Also, these, these clandestine are very different. Yeah. Because they're like villains and they've got special weapons. Oh, they did, but they're all dead now, so who cares? Yeah. Uh... Right, um, shall we? Yep, guess we may as well get this all on the old ranking list. Yeah. So, this is our list of TV shows, going all the way from Moon Knight at number one to um, the, the Black Bolt show, and only the Black Bolt show, because he's the only inhuman at number 25. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about the fact that Kamala Khan's a mutant now. Yeah, because she was an inhuman. Indeed. Back in when Marvel comics. really wanted to make inhumans a thing. Well, e- even in Marvel Avengers, she was inhuman. The video game. Yeah, which... I mean, I'd, I don't necessarily mind them changing that. I don't think she's a character where the fact that she's an inhuman has ever been like that important. No. I will say that it seems a bit weird... They've gone through this whole thing of like, oh, she's got powers because she's like part gin and she's got a magic bangle. Yeah. And also she's a mutant. Yeah. Yeah, that does seem a bit weird. I I would have it it would have it would have been a more logical step for her to have the inhuman gene and for the bangles to contain terogenesis crystals. As part of their makeup, that would make more logical sense. The fact that, because none of the other mutants really needed triggers for their mutant, they just happened as part of like growing up, didn't they? At a certain key age, their mutant genes 
revealed themselves. Yeah, and I, I guess there's some examples like, oh, it's not even a good example, Scarlet, which isn't a mutant at the moment. But for a long time, Scarlet, which is like mutant ability, was like, she had the mutant power to be able to use chaos magic. Yeah. Unlike a normal human. So I guess it's maybe something like that. Yeah. Where it's her mutant gene allows her to access the Bangles' powers. Whereas yeah. if someone else, even if they are part gin, it wouldn't work for them. Yeah. Or maybe she also just has a completely separate mutant power. <laughs> Could be. Um, but, it, but it's a really rubbish one. Like, she can smell cheese twice as much as a normal human. <laughs> I know some people for whom that would be considered the ultimate superpower. Actually, yeah, God, just the ability to always know where cheese is. Yeah. It's, God, do, do I want that over being able to reach tall shells? That's the question. Well, it depends where the cheese is, doesn't it? That's also true. <laughs> if the cheese is on the tall, sh- tall shelf, it's a bit of a conundrum for you, isn't it? Yeah. Also, I feel like the real question is, where does this go on the list to, <laughs> to loop back to what we were talking about? Well, uh, yes, the list. Yeah, you were about would... to read it. So, so you remembered that Kamala was a mutant? Yes, as I was saying, number one is Moonlight, number 25 is Inhumans. Let's say closer to Moon Knight than in humans. Yes. Um, maybe a. That's. Should I should I run through five to ten? Depends what five is. So five is the boys season two, six is Sweet Tooth, seven is Hit Monkey, eight is Swamp Thing, nine is Invincible season one. And 10 is Resident Alien Season 1. I'm thinking this sits slightly above Hitmonkey. Yeah, I was absolutely thinking around about Sweet Tooth territory. Yeah. And I think the advantage it's got is that it's quite fast-paced, which is not something you can say about Sweet Tooth. It is a lot of fun, which obviously Sweet Tooth has its moments, but it's I won't it, it's not what I call a fun show. Um Yeah. I'd also say Ms. Marvel and Sweet Tooth are both about like quite cute, peppy characters. One of whom I find a lot less grating than the other. <laughs> Because, oh my god, Gus, just stop being an absolute fool for like one second. <laughs> stop being Chucky. Stop being the fat kid from the Goonies. Just, please, just for once look at the thing that says, like, warning danger of death and don't yell, I'm going to stick my face right into it. <laughs> so, uh... Are you happy for Miss Marvel to become our new number six? I certainly am. Yay! This has the added bonus that it now means that um, the Black Bolt show has dropped to number twenty-six. Indeed, it has. we only call it the we only call it the Black Bolt show because he had all the best lines. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Best lines with the best delivery. Yeah. And uh, apparently, I don't know whether this is true, but I heard a rumour from behind the scenes that he had one word as original throughout the whole show. And that that's what allowed him to um, emote the way that he did. That's fair. I mean, are you sure it was a word as 
Because I feel like it might have been a bag. It might have been that someone force-fed him a bag of Werther's originals at the start of filming. Uh, yeah, because I I assumed he has like one bag of Werther's originals, and then for the really dramatic scene, a bag of Revels, but it's just the coffee-flavored ones. <laughs> Possibly. <sighs> right. That's Miss Marvel taken care of. It is indeed. That pesky meddling kid. And we would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for her. Oh, sorry, uh, I hard like hard like crystal discs. And her costume, which I do like the fact that her shoes are just like a pair of Converse. Yeah. That's a, that's a very fun touch. But remember, she wouldn't be where she is today without her friend Brian. Good old Brian. Actually, that that was a good joke. Like the the fact yeah. that Cameron calls him Brian, and it's assumed it's one of those. Oh, I'm I'm doing it just to mess with you because I've got yeah. a bit of a crush on the girl that you clearly like. Yeah. And then it turns out that no, he genuinely he just genuinely misheard. <laughs> and he's so <laughs> embarrassed when he learns it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's that and the Illuminatis were like my favourite jokes. Illuminatis. Anyway, I don't think that's yeah. about it from us. Probably. We shall go off and melt into our individual puddles. We will indeed. And if you want to listen to more, especially considering this is this is maybe the last episode of Behold if we don't make it. I also the last episode of Four Panel Help Me. My brain is using out my ears. <laughs> hey, it could well be our last issue, uh, our, our last episode of um, Behold because I've got my hundred k walk this weekend. Okay, well to continue on with that then, uh, if you like, you know you can find all our shows on the feed. Uh, if you subscribe, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. And if you want to get in touch, especially maybe to fill what might be soon a vacant presenter slot, <laughs> our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at beholdpod. And if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners, especially if they've got embiggened ears. So, that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. And I've been Mick. So long, and thanks for listening. Bye.